the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I always look forward to Friday, not just because it's the end of the week, but because it means a conversation with Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network. That's how we start hour number two. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor, and you can subscribe to his site, and I would highly recommend that, theohiopressnetwork.com, theohiopressnetwork.com. Okay, Jack, another day, another indictment. This time we get a mugshot of Donald Trump, and he played it angry, stern Trump in the mugshot, which I assume he will fundraise off of and probably already is. I have never taken a mugshot. Don't know if you have. Jenna Ellis, one of his co-defendants, went with the smiling mugshot. He went with the stern, angry mugshot. What did you think of the mugshot? And have you ever had one? And if you did or would, how would you play it? Happy Jack or Angry Jack? Great question. I think it matters uh, the circumstance and uh, what is down the road. And I think Donald Trump, uh, I can see that mugshot on mugs. I can see that mugshot on T-shirts. And you better believe that he's going to fundraise off of it. In fact, there's another former State House reporter who tweeted last night that, oh, who would have imagined that Donald Trump would fundraise off of it? Uh, interestingly, though, I did see an email that Rick Grinnell uh, apparently received. He's a former Trump appointee uh, in the intelligence community, community that Joe Biden was actually fundraising uh, off the indictment, or excuse me, off of the mugshot as well yesterday. So uh, that's politics 101, right? Uh, they say that any media attention is good. And so you take that attention and you do with it what you can, which is one, drum up support, and two, uh, fill your coffers. And uh, yeah, I, I totally expected Donald Trump to play it the way that he did. And based on just my cursory review of social media platforms yesterday, uh, it really made a splash. Yeah, no doubt about it. And he did not have to surrender yesterday. He could have surrendered today, but I think he chose yesterday to take headlines away from the Republican presidential debate, which, you know, in hindsight, he really didn't need to do. I don't think there were uh, any headlines from that debate that were ones he needed to wipe away. No threat to his uh, lead in the polls, his massive lead in the polls, because uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was certainly among those most talked about after the debate, and he's kind of running as the uh, the Trump candidate uh, to, I guess, his strategy is I'll be the nominee if Trump is unable to serve because of one of these four indictments. What did you make of the debate on Wednesday night? Uh, you know, the debate was interesting. I think the winner far and away, if we're talking about media attention and scuttlebutt post-debate, uh, was hands down. Vivek Ramaswamy. And uh, there are a lot of people who are Trump supporters who are a little irritated with how he acted, uh, but they're talking about him. And I think that his ability to process information in his brain and then spit something out of his mouth that absolutely makes sense is unrivaled. And I expected after interviewing him three or four times prior to that debate, my wife and I talked, I expected that he was going to be really hard to contend with on stage. And that was the case. Uh, I had it, uh, Vivek, and then I had uh, Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis tied for second, and then everybody else. 
Yeah, we'll keep our eye on it. The next one's in about a month, and they raised the standard in the polling from 1% to 3%, so my preference would be it would eliminate you know some of the people on the edges of the stage so we can get it down. I think four is a perfect number. Eight's way, way too many. And uh, let's work towards some other stuff here as it pertains to Ohioans and people that you cover at the theohiopressnetwork.com. Our guest is Jack Windsor, and again, you can follow Jack on Twitter, at Jack Windsor. Warren Davidson is a congressman, and he is uh, doing what he can, or at least trying to do something to uh, stop the feds from violating Americans' privacy. This is going to be a big issue, or I hope it's a big issue, as we head toward the 2024 presidential election. That'll require some focus, which is not Trump's strong suit. But what is Warren Davidson doing? I would assume he would have allies in this regard from a lot of people that I can think of, like Jim Jordan and Mike Turner and, you know, other congressmen. Yes, uh, he is uh, doing a fine job of picking up the mantle of a bill that was originally crafted, believe it or not, by Democrats. And so there are four Republicans and four Democrats who support his piece of legislation. And essentially what it does is it closes a loophole that the government is using to uh, allegedly, and based on my view of things, uh, break the, the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution and how they're doing it. And uh, this is what needs to be talked about with respect to 2020, if we're going to talk about anything in that presidential election and in 2024. If you read the Twitter files, the Facebook files, you can clearly see that the government outsourced its censorship to social media platforms and big tech companies. And that's what the bill is designed to do. It's designed to make sure that um, government cannot buy data from private companies in lieu of going to the court and uh getting permission to tap a phone or, you know, uh, getting a subpoena to crack open a database on a particular individual. That's what they're doing right now. They're going to big tech companies and they're buying information. This bill would stop that in its tracks. I don't know why we allow big tech companies to sell our data without our permission. Maybe we give our permission when we sign up for the platform, but I don't, I think that ought to have to be a tougher uh, hurdle for big tech platforms to get over other than just, Hey, you know, if you want to use Twitter, you got to let us sell your data. Hey, if you want to use Facebook, you got to let us sell your data. I think that ought to be a standalone question, and you should be able to join the platform and not be retarded in using that platform in any way, shape, or form if you don't give your permission. I'm I'm astounded. Is why has no one ever taken that up, that fight up in Washington? Yeah, well, I think it's two things. Number one, uh, the devil is in the details, and when you read these user agreements that the platforms have. Information is buried in there. Some of it is explicit. Some of it is broad and sweeping language that they would lean on if they were ever sued and say, well, no, this person volunteered to use the platform. And that's really the big thing. I've said for, gosh, probably the better part of a decade and a half, that if it is free and you are using it, you are the product. And that's the reality with, uh, now Twitter does charge a fee now under Elon Musk, but Facebook and, and Twitter since inception have allowed you to use their platforms for free because you are the product, because they're selling marketing services to companies, they're um, aggregating your data and selling it to other companies, and they're making a boatload of money in the process. Yeah, they sure are. Jack Windsor, our guest, theohiopressnetwork.com, and you can follow Jack on Twitter, at Jack Windsor. You uh, have a wide berth on this one because I, I don't really care where you go with it. We have the abortion amendment on the ballot in November. We're going to have the legalization of marijuana on the ballot in November. We're talking about, or there are people talking about, uh, redistricting being a ballot initiative. 
qualified immunity, which would take away protection from police officers and elected officials, uh, is something that could end up there. Are there any Republicans at all strategizing, trying to use the fact that we lost issue one and the standard to amend the Constitution remained at 50 percent? Any ballot initiatives out there, Jack, that might be like tilted toward conservative mindsets rather than just liberal mindsets? Great question. You know, one of the concerns that conservatives had that I talked to immediately following the issue one vote uh, just a few weeks ago was that uh, did, did Republicans keep any powder dry to fight this November initiative? Now, Protect Women Ohio is leading that charge. And I think that's where you're going to see most of the opposition is in that radical November uh, abortion and uh, pro-minor transition and abortion amendment. And uh, the problem, though, is that, you know, when we wrote about, reported about if issue one didn't pass, there would be an onslaught of amendments. It was uh, categorized as a scare tactic. Oh, that's just not true. Bruce, we're not very far down the road, are we? No, you know, we're how not. How many proposed amendments you just talked about? It's coming. And so um, you're going to have to decide, and when I say you, conservatives are going to have to decide, do we want to play defense the whole time, or do we actually want to craft some language, put it on the ballot to counter what these uh, progressive groups are going to do? And that's what I think we'll see play out in the next 18 months. So I'm putting you on the spot with this. I was thinking, you know, we have Gary Click and some other legislators who are advocating for the Save Women's Sports Act and, you know, all these things and to, to, to ban transgender surgeries on minors. You can do it through the way it's supposed to be done in a constitutional republic through the elected representatives of the people. Or now, you know, the left has figured an end around around the supermajorities by doing it with the constitutional with, with the constitutional amendment on the ballot. Um once you get it ingrained via constitutional amendment, is that like super hard to overturn or is that not that difficult to overturn? Could it also be overturned by a majority vote? Yeah, that is a great question. And I think that is probably the one silver lining is that it still takes, uh, you know, 44 counties with a certain number of signatures and a 50 percent plus one vote to change something. The challenge is, the process is longer and it's more arduous. You have to go out and you have to collect signatures. And by the way, there's a whole behind-the-scenes process where you have to craft the amendment and the, the uh, attorney general has to approve the language and make sure that it's honest and forthcoming and accurate, and then the ballot board has to you know, put their blessing on it. So there are several steps. The Constitution is harder to change. And by the way, that's why the law book is called the Ohio Revised Code, yeah. because it is supposed to be more responsive, and the Constitution is supposed to be more sturdy. But yes, a 50% plus one vote would allow some of these more conservative initiatives to pass more easily than, say, at 60%. Well, hopefully our conservative legislators wake up and are uh, proactive rather than reactive. Jack, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Jack Windsor, you can follow on Twitter at Jack Windsor. TheOhioPressNetwork.com is the site, TheOhioPressNetwork.com. Always great to have you on on Friday, and thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Bruce, to you as well. Thanks for all you're doing. God bless We began the day awaiting two state court rulings on so-called transgender rights, a uh, direct conflict with common sense, reality, science, and everything else. Uh, We have lost one of them. A federal court in Maryland ruled this morning 
that parents, think of this, parents do not have the right to opt their children out of a curriculum that includes books about radical gender theory. So all these books about a boy becoming a girl, I Am Jazz, all the other garbage that they're poisoning and twisting young minds with, um, inflicting upon them topics that they are not nearly mature enough to handle. If you have an authentic reason objection to that, an authentic faith objection, and it's not just so-called Christian nationalists who object. A lot of the people who were objecting in Maryland were Muslims. And yet the judge said, no, you don't have that right to opt out. The local public school district had introduced 22 new books into elementary classrooms that featured LGBTQ characters and radical gender theory topics. And parents said, I don't want my kid reading these books. I don't want my kids studying these concepts. The judge has overruled the parents. So, I presume, in cases where they can at all make it happen or where they now may be motivated to a new degree to make it happen, these parents will pull their kids out of government schools and homeschool their kids. Or they will find a different solution, take them out, put them in a private school. I don't know what Maryland's school choice program is, if any. It's a liberal state, so I doubt they have it because they're probably enslaved the teachers' union. But it makes no logical sense to try to inflict upon kids from pre-K, pre-K, into LGBTQ ideas, preferred pronouns, intersex identities, drag queens, sex change options, all those things, pre-K through elementary school. The other case that we're waiting on has not come down yet is out of the state of Missouri, where they've already passed a law that would restrict I hate the word gender-affirming care for minors. It's set to go into effect Monday. The Attorney General, Andrew Bailey, is on the right side of this issue. He is fighting for common sense, for truth. Here is a comment from Andrew Bailey about this controversy. Well, it'll put an end to this kind of uh, sterilization of children in the state of Missouri. It'll sharply curtail patients' uh, access who are currently receiving treatment. So if even one-tenth of what the whistleblower has said is true, that's nothing short of child abuse. Now, what the whistleblower he refers to said, he was some uh, was a someone, it was a woman from Washington and Lee University in St. Louis, the gender clinic there. And the person, the whistleblower, said, I thought this came out in a uh, story done by one of the independent media sources in St. Louis. The whistleblower said, I thought I was doing trans kids a favor. But the more I watched how this demonic, poisonous agenda was inflicted upon kids and on parents, the more I realized that we were harming these kids. We were doing real, prolonged, perhaps ongoing damage throughout the rest of their lives to these kids. Now, the trans activists, of course, are demon-possessed and evil to the core, and they like to come up with a familiar threat. It is as petulant and as unhinged from reality as a little child who will fall onto the floor, kicking, screaming, holding their breath, threatening 
mom or dad, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to run away from home. I'm going to hate you. And any of the other immature invectives that kids hurl when they don't get their own way. The trans activists are just like it when they say things like this. Transgender children will die if this law goes into effect. If they cannot get treatment to treat their gender dysphoria, children will die. It is such a evil threat. Is meant to prey upon the parent's worst fears for a child. The old, would you rather have a live son or a dead daughter? The suicide rate of transgender kids is astronomical, not because they are not affirmed, not because they can't cut off healthy genitalia given to them by God when they were born, is because to be gripped by gender dysphoria is to suffer from a mental illness. This used to be common, commonly acknowledged by everyone in the psychiatric profession. I've said many times, railed many times, against the nonsensical nature of coming up with a diagnostical term like gender-affirming care. We don't have blank-affirming care in any other way. We don't have cancer-affirming care. We don't have bone fracture affirming care. Hey, Doc, I think I broke my leg. No, actually, the x-rays show that you didn't. Just a deep thigh bruise. You'll be fine. No, no, I broke my leg. Please put it in a cast. I want you to go in. I want you to graft new bone onto my bone. The doctor would laugh you out of the office. No, he'd probably call psychiatric ward, which is what he should do. And that's what they should do. For parents who bait kids into this life-altering, even if they don't do surgery, it's life-altering, it can and does gender-affirming hormones changes a child's ability to develop naturally, to experience normal sexual urges and for your body to function to either father children or give birth to children, depending on whether you are a man or a woman, and that was determined at birth. So they're fighting against this, the gender activists are in Missouri, and I get it. They've had amazing success around the country. Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, all pass laws to outlaw gender-affirming care, gender hormones, all these kinds of things. And in all three states, the opposition has won temporary injunctions in court. This is the defining issue of our time. And you know what? It didn't come up a single time in the debates on Wednesday night. Not a single time. We got questions about aliens. We got questions about climate change, which tells us something about Fox News, as did something that was said on Fox News today. I'll play it for you next. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.